Well, that was quite a stacked episode of Dynamite following one of the best, one of the most eventful Dynamites in history, and this episode was fine. It was an average good episode of Dynamite that did a job pretty well. It continued some storylines that we have, and it made me feel excited for the next episode, so yeah, good job. And this show started with the best match of the night, TH2 versus the Young Bucks. And oh boy, this match started at a pace 100 and it never stopped. We've seen some incredible maneuvers performed by TH2 and the Young Bucks, including Doomsday Device on the outside on Jack Evans and the Indie Taker on the outside performed by Young Bucks once again on Jack Evans. Poor, poor Jack. But even though Jack Evans got his ass beaten down, TH2 were in control of the match, surprisingly for the majority of the match. You know, they at one point actually looked like they're gonna be able to take the victory. After Halka worked on the leg of Matt Jackson for the majority of the match, he put him at his finisher submission and he was nearly tapping out Matt Jackson until Nick came for a big save with a swanton bomb right on the legs of both Angelico and Matt Jackson. After this, super kick party happened and Angelico and Jack Evans lost after a BTE trigger. And it made sense that the Young Bucks won, but at the same time, as I said at one point, I actually thought they are gonna give this victory to TH2 to set up a big match for the end of December for the special events that we're gonna have at the end of December. And it would be logical to have some sort of a big match for tag team belts, but it seems like if it's gonna happen, it's not gonna be against TH2. Something that I have to note is that during the match, Matt Jackson was powerbombed right into their clan who was sitting at the ringside. And after the match, their claim decided to get some hit back by attacking the Young Bucks, but SCU came for the help. And next week, we're gonna have the match between Acclaimed and SCU. Something that I said will happen this week, but hey, next week is also fun. Putting these young talents on the map, because they set Dark on fire at one point, and now they're coming on Dynamite, I think is a nice way to introduce this new team. So, yeah. I'm looking forward for this match. Maybe it's not going to be a great match, but it's going to be interesting to look at the acclaimed on Dynamite. After this, we had a Tony Schiavone interview with Cody Rhodes, but before he could say anything, Sting interrupted him, and we had a little bit of exchange between Sting and Arn Anderson, where Arn basically said, I needed a moment to realize if this is all real, and you know what? I will excuse myself, and he just left. Obviously, they had a long history between each other and WCW, and it seems like we're having some seeds planned on something big in the future. But then, we had a little bit of a lovely bromance between Tony Schiavone and Sting, where Sting said, Hey, come on Tony, we know each other for years, and you helped my career so much by saying this one line that fans absolutely love so do it for the fans and tony Schiavone had no chance but to say it's sting for the fans 
But then we had the main talking point of this segment. Cody and Sting exchanged words. And we found out that Sting is here to stay for a long time. And even though the jungle had changed a little bit, the animals evolved. There's still something very, very familiar about this place. Looking right at Darby Allen at the rafters. Sitting there just like Sting did in WCW days. Setting up another possible match or alliance. It depends on how story will go now with Darby Allen. But let's not forget about what's happening in the ring because Cody said that hey, I appreciate what you did to me last week saving my ass from FTW, but hey, why the hell are you here? And Sting just simply answered saying that I'm not here for you, Cody, but you, Keto, should look around. Setting up possible again match between Cody and Sting would, would be a little bit interesting. It wouldn't be that entertaining because it would be very much 80s style of wrestling, something that Cody adores and everybody knows it. But I think it would be a fitable opponent for Sting. Even though I really don't want to see Sting fighting at the age of 61. But hey, what do we know? We're going to have to wait and see. That's that's what's going to happen. Then we had an in-ring return for FTR. First match since full gear when they lost the titles to Young Bucks. And they faced against Varsity Blondes in a surprisingly very competitive match. And even more surprisingly... Varsity Blondes, Griff Garrison, Brian Pillman Jr. were in control for a big portion of the match. That They never looked like the team who were probably going to win because it should be FTR. But FTR really put over those guys. And I mean, Brian Pillman Jr. is a big star in the independent scene. But it really starts to hit us that he can be a big star in the future. And Griff Garrison with his fiery hot tag was just brilliant his jumping clothesline was just oh perfection but FTR at one point finally found this fire finally found this anger inside of them and they absolutely killed Brian Pillman Jr. with their finisher I mean whoo Shadow Machine you had no escape Brian and it's a nice win for FTR that really put over Varsity Plons, but also didn't portray FTR as a weak team. Actually, instead, they portray them as angry, desperate team to come back to AW that needs to get those titles back to be complete and to be once again reigning and dominating. After this, we had two... Uh, very weird and I think it's safe to say worst segments of the show. First, Dustin Rhodes versus Ten of Dark Order in a very short match where we had some sort of interaction of a dark feud between Aaron Sola and number ten of Dark Order. Um Dustin Rhodes won with a running bulldog. He beat the muscle man of the Dark Order in about 5-7 minutes, if not less. And uh, it was just weird. I don't know why we had this. And it should have been a big win for number 10 to set him up as a 
big name in the Dark Order, but instead it led to pretty fun segment with the with Evaluno, who came out of the ring with the whole Dark Order and cut this promo saying, Come on, Dustin, you are a star, you are a legend. But even in this company, you only third most important roads. Very nice line, but then he said, join the Dark Order and become number seven. And at first I was like, uh, why the hell would he get him in number seven? Why, why? <gasps> the WCW gimmick. Ah, you cheeky bastard. I see what you did here. And of course, Dustin thought for about a second and slapped the living shit out of Evaluna, who picked up the mic and said, hey, Dustin, it's not a problem. You think about this, and you will see the light that I see. It's, a, as I said, a very weird segment. I enjoyed the remembering of WCW gimmick that basically died in one night, but hey, why? Why did we make this whole segment at all? I just, I just didn't understand how it helped Dark Order by losing their muscle man to running bulldog of all fucking moves. Yeah, it's just, it's just weird. But then it got even weirder because we had a shock interview with Tony Schiavone and uh, Brandy Rhodes. And as we all know, Brandy Rhodes is a very divisive character in AEW because at one stage she can be one of the most hated person backstage, well, for fans at least, because she's basically Stephanie McMahon 2.0. On the other night, she can cut this incredible promo against Jaden, basically saying that no, my husband has a dick and uh, it's a big one, but still was a very passionate promo, even though the subject was quite dodgy, but still. But this interview with Shaq was just so weird because Shaq said in his typical voice that hey, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna do it, no, 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 no way, that hey, everything that Jaden did. Is not cool. I'm a big fan of her. I know I know her for quite some time, and what she did to your arm was quite disgraceful. And I hope you're gonna be able to settle this down in the ring, and I'll be watching. And he said that all of the banter that he had with Cody on Twitter is just him playing himself. And it seemed like everything is fine, and Brandy and Shaq are on the same page, and she actually enjoyed this little interview. But then. Shaq said something on the line, but you should be careful, you maybe should learn something from Jaden. And for some reason, Brandy absolutely flipped off, picked up a bottle of water and threw it right at Shaq's face. It was just so weird, because Shaq came out as a really nice dude, and even though he said he will be there when Jaden and Brandy will blow off, it still didn't make any sense when he said, hey, maybe you should learn some something from Jaden to Brandy just piss herself off and flip out. I I totally didn't understand why did we have to do this and Brandy 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 come on stop it. You need to be better. You need to be more consistent. You are their baby face, you are the heel. What the hell are you doing right now? I don't have a fucking clue and I don't want to have one. You are a rarity on TV. You should be a rarity on TV. You should be a protege for uh, Velvet, whatever her name is, and uh, yeah, you should be a manager or something like this. You should stick out to one character and push it forward, not be a creep 
cutting people's hair, then be a babyface, then once again a heel, then once again sort of a babyface, and now once again weird heel. It was just, as I said, nonsensically weird. And Shock somehow came out as a nice guy. Yeah, what a way to build Cody versus Shaq, eh? But then, thankfully, we had the best thing on the show, the Inner Circle Ultimatum. We came to the ring and... Chris cut this promo saying, this is not what I intended when I brought MJF to the group. We should be the most dominated group and we're doing some nonsensical bullshit. MJF tried to defend himself saying, hey, I came here to be a part of the most dangerous, the most important group in pro wrestling. But it seems like you look at the internet way too much, you sit on social media way too much, you start to believe the hype that I want to be in a circle just to destroy it from the inside and that never was the case and Sammy I'm so disappointed in you for th trying to throw the towel and thankfully Chris stopped all the banter between MJF and Sammy by saying hey Max we're not stupid we rewatched Dynamite we know what happened you picked towel and you were about to throw it and Max just said no 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 I swear to god I had a sweat on my eyebrow, oh come on. But then, the best thing happened. Ortiz picked up the mic and he cut this incredible promo saying to Sammy that hey, you better than MGF and you know it, that's why you should be a better man and you should shake his hand and MGF and Wardle, you are incredible talents. As human being Max, uh, yeah. Wardle never changed, but you, Max, even though you're a dick, you're growing at me. And as I said, Sammy, we never choose the hand that picks our life and play with it, but we should roll with it, because when we're together, we're the most unstoppable group. And this was just a great promo boy Ortiz, but then Sammy picked up a mug, and he was very intense and very good at the mic as well. He said to Max that, hey, I will shake your hand, but Chris, I owe you everything. You brought me to AEW, you brought me to Inner Circle, but if anything will happen, anything, I'll quit the Inner Circle. And he had his beautiful stare down with MJF and Chris Jericho. And after a little, a little while, a couple of seconds, he finally shook hand with MJF. And when it seems like that everything was over, they brought a little bit of comedy, it was just a pure goal because Jake Hager got the mic and he said, No, why the hell is this dude keep staring at me? And Wardlow picked up the mic and said, What? I'm not staring at you, you were staring at me since the beginning of my career here in AW. They had a little banter saying that, Hey, I can stop anytime if you will stop. And after Chris Jericho's suggestion, they stopped looking at each other, but actually, they started looking at them, at each other, just at a very tight angle, so nobody would notice, but still staring each other down with their peripheral vision. It's just, oh, beautiful. And after this, they flipped everyone off and reunited. Inner Circle is stronger than ever, at least for a little while, until something will happen, and Sammy will probably leave the Inner Circle, or the Inner Circle will turn on Sammy. But before this big turn on Sammy or turn from Sammy himself, it was a brilliant segment 
and I cannot wait to see what's going to happen next with the inner circle. After this, a big six-man tag, or at least it should have been, Eddie Kingston and his family butchering the blade versus the Lucha Bros and Lance Archer. But before the match even started, we had a big brawl in where Pentagon was put through a table by the Butcher. And he saw his leg injury very legit and he was put to the back. And at first I was thinking that, ah, okay, he'll be out for the portion of the match and then he will come back. But no, he was out for the majority of the match, well, for full match, and he never did come back. And only after the the show ended, I found out that he's legit injured on the training, and he will miss a week, maybe or two, or at least with Dynamite. And the injury is not serious because he defended, uh, he fought it at AAA with his brother Phoenix. But still, it was a very nice way to book him out of the match. And make it look so legit, but also so kayfabe, because nobody even thought that he had an injury, but yeah, he had. And it's a big surprise and unfortunate circumstance, because he's in a big story with Pac against the Eddie Kingston, who was in the main event picture for quite some time. And he's out injured again, and the same goes to Phoenix, they're just so unfortunate in AEW, picking up injury after injury, it's just such a shame. But the match itself was real fun with Phoenix sometimes getting no offense and trying to do his incredible moves but mostly getting cut off by Butcher and the Blade and Eddie Kingston then a hot tag for Lance Archer who absolutely destroyed everyone tag to Phoenix and then again the same thing cut off from the Butcher and the Blade and then but because they had three on two Butcher and the Blade with Eddie Kingston won after neutralizing Lance Archer and his leg and absolutely killing Phoenix in the ring. After the match, Lance Archer decided to be an absolute badass and destroy Eddie Kingston and his family by himself, but the family somehow escaped. We're still not done with the story and I don't want this to be done because I absolutely adore it now Lance Archer who's not a babyface, he's a tweener but he's ready to help his enemies because they are enemy of his enemy and by this they're his friends and I absolutely enjoy the storyline again I don't know where it's gonna lead because Pac wasn't on TV for a week or so and it seems like he's back to UK because of the you know Christmas and maybe we're not gonna see him for a little while and hopefully Panta will be ready to go back very soon because we need to push the story forward and one Ray Phoenix and Lance Archer probably not gonna be able to cut it off. But still, a very fun match and I'm intrigued what's gonna happen next. Then we had Abaddon absolutely destroy poor Jobber, Tasha Price if I remember her name correctly, uh, in the matter of a minute or so and it was fun, but what came next was actually much more important and much more interesting because Hikaroshita came for the save because Abaddon decided to beat the living shit out of a poor girl after the match. She was scared, but she was with her favorite candlestick. So she came to the ring and absolutely nailed Abaddon right in her head, but after a couple of seconds, she absolutely no sold it and stood up Undertaker style. And, uh, yeah. It's safe to say that Hikaru Shida and 
poor Tasha shit themselves and run away. Uh, some people say that it's bad for Hikaru Shida's character. I absolutely disagree because it's actually building up Abaddon, uh, Abaddon as a very intimidating character. This is the right way to sell it. You're not absolutely flipping out and crying like Seth Rollins did, but you also know it absolutely no selling it. You're scaring, you're scared of the very intimidating and a scary character, which is a right thing to do. So again, I'm looking forward for their match. I don't think it's gonna be great match, but it should be fun. And I'm looking forward where the story will go. Will Abaddon will the title? Or when she, will she lose, but still be a big threat to the division? I don't know, we're gonna have to wait and see. Uh, next segment, next segment. Oh, you're such a big disappointment for me. It was so hyped up by the previous Tuesday, because it's Kenny Omega making a big announcement. And this announcement is that he's a collector of belts, and he is... Um, yeah, some big thing planned, but hey, I cannot actually deliver what it is because Don Carlos said so. Basically, it was the same interview, the same promo that he caught on Tuesday, only now on Wednesday. And to be fair to him, he came out in a flipping chopper. Helicopter. Mm-hmm. That was brilliant and actually was built up on Tuesday by Tony Khan saying that he made it official and he will help out Kenny Omega to come to AEW. So nice, nice actually booking here by Tony and AEW with Impact. I see you. But uh, the whole promo was such a big disappointment because we were expecting him to announce that he will be a Triple Mania or at Impact Wrestling once again, and he will be, it's now official, but still, the whole segment was absolutely useless if you watched Impact last night, and I know that a lot of people didn't, but still, come on. You basically added absolutely nothing apart from saying that I have a lot of things in plan, but I cannot reveal them because, no, 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 they cannot take it. Ah, disappointing, but I am still overexcited whether it's this whole shit will go with the collector because right now it seems like it's gonna go in a very very interesting place and i cannot wait oh i cannot wait but all of that is in the future but for now we can talk about the main event of the night orange cassidy versus mjf for the diamond ring and holy smokes it was a good match i mean it's no surprise that MJF is a good wrestler, but you just forget about it because every time he cheats somehow to win and he doesn't really deliver in the ring as much as he could. But this match, this match was fire. Orange Cassidy's cell was on point. MJF trying to do the old school wrestling with additional of modern style wrestling. It's just top-notch, and the whole match was obviously MJF being absolutely dominative over Orange Cassidy, working over his hands, of course, because hands in the pocket, all the shit, but come on. Him working on his arm was just pure brilliance after Orange tried to go for Orange Punch, but hit the post. He couldn't use his arm properly, and MJF took total control of it. 
and obviously the whole inner circle was outside the ring and only two poor Tran and Chuck were out there so they went to the back for a big help and the big help is Brandon Cutler, Top Flight and the Vesti Blondes. Uh, yeah, not the best uh, backup but still uh, pretty fine, pretty fine and it all of course led to big chaos which allowed Orange Cassidy to hit two orange punches and nearly pick up a victory, but kick out from MGF. And while Rev didn't see, Mira came out and absolutely destroyed Orange Cassidy with one clothesline, allowing MGF to pick up the victory, but most importantly, setting up the conclusion to their little feud between Mira and Kip and the best friends, and also putting Mira in a position not only in main event, but also setting him up for the future as a big star because after the match was over, MJF said that he won clean as a whistle. He pinned Orange Cassidy in the middle of the ring. But most importantly, the security guard decided to stop Miro from just posing on the ramp and he killed them all. One poor bloke just went out of the ramp right on the floor. It was vicious. And Miro looked like an absolute beast, and it's the second week in a row. The Battle Royal and this segment where he looks just fantastic, and it fills my heart with hope that Miro will be safe in AEW. It's just a matter of time. So I can't wait for their feud with Trent and Chuck will be over, and I can't wait for big things for Miro. So, overall... A lot of good things were in this dynamite, a lot of weird stuff, kind of bad stuff, but overall, really enjoyable, solid show that I enjoyed. So yeah, it was good. Thank you guys for listening, and as always, hear you soon.